And welcome to the Two Medics podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors, mah.uk.com for medical accountancy needs and also to lifelinehealthcaregroup.co.uk for the best locum rates. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics Podcast. My name is Imran Lasker, I'm a consultant radiologist. And hi, I'm Tusha Gunawardna, I'm a cardiology registrar, sub-specialising in intervention. So how, how you been, Tusha? What's been going on this week? Uh, good, good. Uh, so like um, this week, uh, so I'm currently on uh, my day off and I've got another day off tomorrow where I start nights over the weekend. So this week, the th- um, three days I was in the lab each one of those days. It was, oh, it that was sounds good, riveting. Man. It was, it was good, man. It was good, actually. I was, uh, <laughs> I was saying to Joe, like, I don't often, like, talk about work and stuff, but I was a bit like, oh, it's been a good three days. Got to do quite a lot of PCI. And that, for me, is, like, quite enriching. Um, but now I'm kind of getting to that bit where I'm a bit jittery because I know tomorrow, even though it's kind of towards the end of tomorrow, tomorrow I'll be starting night, so I'm already starting to get that kind of feeling of dread. Um, how about yourself? Yeah, same old, same old, just chilling i guess um yeah i've been like like i was saying to you like i've been trying to tr- figure out and no, have i said this to you i've been trying to figure out how to make my normal life more enjoyable does that okay. make sense it, mm. sa- it sounds silly but um i was trying to think about all the things i like to do when i'm on holiday yeah and how i can try and introduce that more into my normal life and so you know what i think to myself okay when i'm on holiday i like to go to the gym like actually go physically to a gym and visit a place mm. i'm starting to try and go to a, like a gym outside my house um trying to eat out a little bit more you know just yeah. kind of because otherwise work just becomes work. You think, okay, so I'm going to just work, work, work. I look forward to going on holiday if I go on holiday and then I come back and work, work, work. How do I make yeah. it more more of a normal thing to have like in, things that I enjoy? That um, sounds like something from a kind of self-help book. No, no, straight from my mind. <laughs> straight from my mind. That's, so, that's an Imran original. They've got a little soft play in there. And stuff. Oh, do they? Oh, do you take yeah. the kids? Yeah, yeah. Do you go as a family? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we yeah. do, yeah. Oh, it's really nice. good. I'd so highly that's... recommend going to a... Uh, a gym that the whole family can go to is a really good idea like because you can book out a, a badminton court and you'll play badminton and the little one doesn't play badminton he just runs around the whole time but mm. just doing little physical things like become a bit more physical and like doing stuff together like fine we, we go swimming you know during the summer we went swimming quite regularly badminton mm. every few days they've got that soft play inside i mean there's loads of things to do and it just means That's that good. you get out and do something and that's what i mean about you know when you think you know when we're in australia yeah. i used to think to myself like these guys in Australia, and maybe the people who listen to us can confirm or a few, like I felt as though for them to be active is a lot easier than it is for us in the UK, because in the UK, the weather's not great. And, no. you know, especially in London, it's kind of a bit crammed. There's not so much to do. But it, over there, like most people living on the coach, you go swimming, you go run down the beach and all that stuff. And I felt as though they were generally healthier. But then how do you make that more a part of your life? And so the way to make that a more of a part of your life is to reduce as many barriers as it takes as it would for you to be able to do something. Mm. Right. So um, the barrier for for us to, I don't know, go to a gym, generally speaking, is you've got to physically go out. But if you decide to go with a family yeah, and like, make it a proper thing together, then it's easier. Uh, you know, it's things like that. So I've been thinking along along those lines, trying to trying to see if I can, uh, you know, make things more fun. That's really good. I mean, um, I go to the gym, which is like 24 mm. hours, but mm. I don't doesn't really enjoy it. And also... I don't think, I mean, trying to do family memberships. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they've got loads of classes like yoga mm. and um, they've got like loads of classes you can go to for free and stuff. And so like, yeah. you know, Rabbi sometimes goes to some of those. So, I mean, these are the things that you'd be doing on holiday, wouldn't you? You'd like to turn up to the hotel, you go to the gym, you find out what class they've got, maybe wake up a little bit early, go to the class, come back, eat something yeah. nice. 
and I just think it's a shame that I, I not until recently tried to put, see if I can bring some of those enjoyable things out and into mm. normal life. So that normal life, it sounds really weird, but I, I'm trying to make my normal life more like a holiday rather. No, than that makes work. complete sense. You like, know? why would you only spend like you know three weeks a year? I don't know on doing like when you can spread out throughout the year like it makes way more sense exactly um, right yeah so when i was thinking about so when i think about the costing of it because obviously it's another expense but then yeah. i thought okay hang on if i go away for a week and cost me this much right or i can spend similar amounts for the entire year to have all the things that i well some of the things that i enjoy from being on holiday for the entire year mm. so why not try that for a year and see how it goes and for me anyway it's been a really uh, positive thing the other thing is i also got a speeding fine which is great oh no yeah i yeah, know mate honestly how fast are you going talk. 35. What? <laughs> Wait, oh, man. But you know what? Like, I was worried, man, because I've already got six points on my license. So that'd be another three. That's nine. Yeah. So yeah. I only need another three and I'm done. I was yeah, really I... stressed out. And, you know, I, I was thinking, what am I going to do? Like, if I lose my license, I've got no other option but to actually get myself a driver to get me around. Like, <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> God. I think there is a thing where I think there are some, I mean, I'm not encouraging anyone to do this, but I think there are some exceptions they've made for, for doctors when they've had 12 points okay. in their license for this kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, your insurance, I mean, I had nine points. I think I've, I think I've now must have dropped down. Hopefully I think I put it in my diary somewhere to remind myself of when I got like, down to like six <laughs> points again, you know, like, oh, okay. So like four years from now. Yeah. But... yeah Robbie was like, honestly, what are you going to do? She was like, what are you going to do if you lose your license? And then I quickly logged in and turns out the six points I had before literally disappeared in August this year. Oh, <laughs> so God. I went six to zero to now back That's to, it's going to be three, isn't it? It's gonna be three. <laughs> Maintenance. And they're all going to make me sit through that silly speed thing. Oh, that's way better. No, I might just pay them. Like, look, forget it. Just forget. It. I'm just going to give you money. I don't. I no. I don't have time to sit around and listen to this drivel. I'm just joking. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, just playing around. You're just a busy man. Got places to go. Exactly. I can't be sitting around in one place for three hours. Like, what do you? Mm. What do you take me for? Yeah. So, what's been going on? I mean, this has been a tough week, hasn't it, Trisha? It's been. I think that there's a few things been going on this week that I think you felt and I felt that we should maybe talk about. Do you think? Like the whole. Um, seeing some of the social media reaction to the the role the, the the queen passing away do you want to talk about that uh yeah i mean like it's kind of moved on a bit now hasn't it like yeah it's stuff to do with i mean the queuing to to see her i guess mm. and the endless endless coverage of that like to see the um the coffin but generally mm. the, the things that have kind of been getting me have been the incessant and endless analysis of like megan's Meghan Markle's body language. Which, I mean, there was something like whether she was like holding Harry's hand at some point, and then they were like, "Oh, he, she can't stop touching him." And I saw another one where it was like, "Oh, she's smirking at one point. She's smirking," and all these kind of like all this stuff, this endless like reading into stuff that she's doing, just like just she's just like existing, but this kind mm. of like narrative and characterization of every single little thing she does is just mind-blowing to like watch mm. um i feel so so bad for her it makes me feel that it's so it's um i mean it's, it's obviously just like racist isn't it but well mm. I, as in to me or at least to, to anyone with any sense anyway it's obviously racist and that's the other issue is, is that you don't you can't for some people it's obviously not obvious and then mm. having to have that or having to see those exhausting conversations where people are trying to spell it out for them that's that's been like yeah unpleasant 
I mean, I think it's difficult. It must be a difficult position for them to be in because, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'll go down memory lane for um, a minute. So, like, on, on Fridays, especially when I was younger, I used to actually physically go to the mosque to go pray. And uh-huh. during maybe summer holidays, I think someone said there was someone's funeral going and maybe I should go. It was literally at the end of the end of prayers. And then I thought, well, it's not that far. And plus, I, I kind of do know the family from far away. I might as well just turn up and, you know, pay my yeah. condolences. And um, so I turned up and then it turned out two of my mates I hadn't seen in a while were there. So then um, they were doing the funeral, they finished the funeral. And it was really heartbreaking to watch genuinely. Like, I think um, what happened was a mother had passed away. And then within months, it turned out the father had some sort of tumor. And then he passed yeah. away, like within months of it. It was really, yeah. and um, it was hard to like be there. But I, I mean, for me, anyway, these are always good reminders as well on a selfish point of view that, you know, life is so finite and you should be careful about how you spend your time, et cetera, et cetera. But while they were burying the person, you know, all the uncles and aunties and everyone around started talking to one another. Uh, having like what felt like a normal conversation so then I, I saw these two guys and hey, I haven't seen you guys in ages so we're just talking really catching up uh, and then um, I think someone said that one of the guys said something quite funny so I started laughing and so the other guy and then the daughter walked over to us and said how dare you come here and start laughing and I was like no sorry I mean I didn't mean it like that like I was we were just talking and she goes look we're trying to have a funeral here if you want to laugh on you get lost uh, and I thought whoa okay well I mean this didn't really go the way I wanted to do, or, you know, I guess I made a mistake. I didn't think about, you know, you just kind of get stuck in the moment. You're with your mate, yeah. you haven't seen in a while, you forgot where you are. And so I swiftly left and I didn't think it was a big deal, but there was loads of conversation about amongst the community. Oh, Imran turned up to this wedding, it was very rude and all this oh. kind of thing. Mm. Uh, it's, I, I mean, it's, at the time I was upset, but now you look back and yeah, fair enough. I probably should have acted better. But um, someone like her in the spotlight, they, she will not be able to remotely... I mean, she must constantly be on guard. No smirks, you know, no no sudden movements, no grimaces, no worried looks. You know, can you imagine what that must be like to be under the spotlight like this? Awful. Exhausting, yeah. just exhausting. You know, I'm not surprised. I just, she's trying to, as far as I can tell, trying to leave the entire uh, thing behind. But... Yeah. And even even in trying to do that, that was something else. Yeah. She would have stressed the queen out with that behavior. Hmm. Stuff. It's just, uh... Oh, is that? Oh, I didn't hear that argument. That's interesting. Okay, yeah. well, they don't twist anything. I think uh, these days people are up for entertainment. Everything's entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. And so these people are entertainment. That's why they've got the reactions that they do. And they lap it on some level, lap it up on some level, because that's where the money comes from. But yeah, I, I think when people react to them in that way, I don't think they see them as people. People, I think they're just part of the part of the big TV show that they're watching on on the on the tabloids. Yeah. It's you wouldn't do that to a real person, would you? Just it's not real. You wouldn't do that. I hope not. Anyway. Um, so anyway, to, I mean, you've got to be pretty resilient for that kind of thing, don't you, Patricia? Which kind of brings on to us on to one of the subjects, no? <laughs> yeah, resilience. Oh <laughs> yeah. So there was a thread from uh, an author who I really like. So I read his book, Adam Rutherford. Um, he wrote this book, which is called um, How to Argue with a Racist. And mm-hmm. so he, he went to UCL, word up, represent. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he, um, and he was so he's a geneticist and he talks about how... Well, he basically deconstructs a whole load of like racist claims, for one thing. Mm-hmm. And he kind of said also he talks about the fallacy of racial um, racial distinctions. Anyway, I'm using inverted comma their finger inverted commas thing because it's and how it, I mean he doesn't particularly talk so much about how it's a construct, although uh, well as he does in a sense that he says that it's kind of uh, biologically baseless. Um, mm. But um, he's yeah anyway an excellent author. 
but he did this thread, um, a short one, about uh, Adam Kay. So he's someone else that we've kind of discussed before, you know, about the TV mm. show, This Is Going To Hurt. So he's released another book called Undoctored. And if I just mm. read out the thread, so it's from Dr. Adam Rutherford. He's also from Ipswich, interestingly, although I think he lives in London now. Good for him. Well done, mate. Escaping it. I did. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so last night to help launch his new book, Undoctored, is staggeringly funny. Like after li- line after line, utter filth, but also full of love and pathos, and profound insights into a medical system that encourages, bullies, and conjoles young people into a hard career, and then doesn't take care of them and breaks people. It's a culture that has to change. I've taught thousands of prospective actual medical students over the years and most do not know what's in store for them and many should never be doctors because despite being brilliant at the oboe or at fly half do not have the skills required for good doctoring and crucially will never be taught them anyway it's an utterly brilliant book even better than this is going to hurt and importantly it should be read by anyone with a stake in healthcare which means everyone um i kind of found that thread kind of difficult to read like I kind of felt I kind of took that a little bit personally especially the I mean I didn't play the oboe I didn't play it fly half <laughs> but I found but at the same time he can't he has a point right what do you think I, I very much so very very much so I I mean I, I don't know I I think this is a, a very accurate statement um mm. because I think you know I've said this before like I was inadvertently encouraged to go into medicine like if I said I wanted to be anything else you'd be like oh, okay okay but when I said I want to be a doctor be like, oh, my son wants to be a doctor it'd be like a big thing in the community was a big thing yeah. um and so when I look back and honestly look back as why did I go into medicine it was because of the societal what my, my my perception of societal value of what a doctor was rather than what the actual doctoring is right mm. and even when I did the work experience I kind of just walked around and I mean you were there Jim I, was, I didn't take yeah. it particularly seriously I just turned up because it's another one of those things to do uh, and most of the things you do to get into med school are just things to do to get yourself into med school the I don't know, more charitable things I used to do when I was a kid like I didn't carry them on I didn't do any of that stuff once I was in so I clearly mm. showed you as to why I did it in the first place and so you kind of you fall into the idea about what doctoring means and what it means to your family and your society and stuff like that and then when you're going through it all, you're thinking you're pretty smart and you're fairly smart to get there. And then you think you've done really well to finish. And then all of a sudden you're thrown at the deep end into being the bottom of the pile, having no idea what you're doing, dealing with situations you've never been in or even taught. And so um, I think this is actually really accurate. I think this yeah. is, I mean, I haven't found that particularly uh, upsetting anywhere beyond just feeling like, yeah, you pretty yeah, much said enough. that I've been feeling recently about medicine and being a doctor. Mm. I was kind of thinking about, I mean, I didn't respond directly to it. Because mm. I, w- I was thinking throughout the day, um, what exactly is it that I object to? Because I did agree that it kind of is a hard career and it says about how it doesn't take care of you and it can break people. I th- and I think, I think the thing that got me was when they go, many should never be doctors. And I think that bit kind of made me think, how, what? So you're talking to these people and some, there's, some, there's some quality that you've kind of picked up on where you're like, this person should never be a doctor. And I think I found that kind of uncomfortable because, and I guess maybe it's then because they follow on saying, because despite being brilliant at the Uber or fly half, do not have the skills required for good doctoring. And I just kind of wondered, did he mean Mm. that like when he's speaking to them, they just didn't seem like human characters? Like they just didn't seem, I just kind of want, I think it was that bit that kind of got me. It's gone on to say, we'll never be taught them. And I just kind of wonder then, is he talking about something that's kind of untangible and impossible to teach then? So there's mm. that. 
which I, I'll let you respond to. But there's also a reply that I did respond to. But yeah, what do you think about that bit then? Well, I think you, you've raised a really important point because actually during when I was, I, I, I might have mentioned it, but I joined a teleradiology company and I found them, they were being really sort of picky and ripping apart my reports and uh, very unnecessarily. And I thought it was very strange. And I've been working for a while now and I don't get these kind of strange sort of feedbacks. So I, I called my friend up and I said to him, listen, and, and this is not that long ago. And I called him up and I said, listen, I've got a, an honest question to ask you and I hope you don't mind me asking, but tell me, am I good or am I bad? Like, because... Mm. Normally, I don't get this kind of feedback. So now I've joined this new company and they're ripping me apart here. Like, what yeah. is this? And then he goes, okay, I know you don't like this, but I'm going to ask you another question. What is good and what is bad? Yeah. And I thought, okay, I see what you mean. Because me writing, so from a radar's point of view, and I'll bring it on to everyone else in a second. Sorry, everyone else. But um, <laughs> like me talking about a meniscal tear, the missing a bit of a bone contusion or something, still means a person will get the meniscal tear surgery. So me talking about the intricacies of the way the bone is, et cetera, doesn't make a huge difference. So if I didn't mention those things, that's a decent report. The outcome's good. Like it's still, you still help someone. But if I write about all those things, someone say, hey, that's a really good report, but the outcome's still the same. And in the same way that, you know, for example, someone, I've heard people say, I've got a really good GP. And what makes your GP so good? Oh, they just give me whatever I want. And it's like, okay, well, to me, that doesn't sound like a good GP, right? If you're just walking in and asking for antibiotics, just throw antibiotics, whatever scan you want, they just give it to you. To me, that's not a good GP, but then Joe Public or whatever may say, hey, you know, I've got one of the best GPs ever. They really look after me. They throw everything at me when I ask for it. And so the concept of being good or bad is so vast. Yeah, like, absolutely. What is a good doctor and what's a bad doctor? Because your good might be my good and your, I mean, your good might be my bad and my yeah. bad might be your good. It just depends on perspective, really, doesn't it? So yeah. for me, there's a doctor for everyone out there, really, because you said it yourself you've been in a situation where you've explained too much and they're like, you don't need to explain so much. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like, and then you might be that kind of registrar who everyone thinks is really, really nice, but your bosses might be like, oh my, that person just accepts everything. And that, you know, it's always yeah. really busy because, you know, they, you know, he always ends up feeling, finishing really late or because, or he, you know, uh, I just kind of wonder because it just seems so kind of, but there obviously is some quality that Dr. Rutherford felt Man, they shouldn't be doctors at all. Which I was like, oh, okay. Um, I mean, there'll be extremes, though, won't there? I mean, we've definitely. I mean, we've spoken about some individuals that we <laughs> may may know that we were like, there is no. This is this is bad. Like, I guess. you know, I know. Do you remember when we were trying to get into med school? We were stressed out how we're going to get in, and then I remember when a certain other person got in. I was yeah. like, if they got in, <laughs> I'm definitely getting in. There's yeah, yeah, just definitely. no doubt about it now. Yeah. Um, so that maybe that's what they're talking about the extremes because there, yeah. there are extremes aren't there yeah there are some yeah so, so then there was a reply that i did kind of respond to where they said we need to have some sort of way of assessing levels of resilience amongst other things and pay less attention to those things like music sport prowess which often reflect class money schooling they're still valid but not vital to being a doctor and i think it's the kind of when people start talking about resilience that kind of does get my goat because i'm like actually <laughs> really the pop one of the problems i think is not about resilience it's about um not they're not being enough support like you know we're not, we're not soldiers you know human beings yeah um and i think when people talk about i don't think um if you listen to junior doctors they're not usually talking so much about the kind of psychological trauma of dealing with loss and um i mean obviously that's going to be part of the job everyone's kind Everyone has an idea of that in mind when they, I mean that's kind of the that's the deal, isn't it, for certain parts of medicine? Mm. But it's the other stuff, the kind of the interpersonal stuff that happens within the profession or the, and the workload, the way you're treated by 
by you know the stuff that happens with pay or with taxes or with the the trying to take annual leave or trying to book study leave or you know all those other things uh that um i don't i I think the support for is poor that Mm. you shouldn't need to have resilience for um and i think that's the kind of issue really i agree i think resilience is an excuse to treat you badly yeah as absolutely. in if you treat badly and you you lash out they're like well they're not very resilient are they that's mm. just uh, that's just the way they are and i think that's i mean they're, they're misconstruing resilience you know your resilience shouldn't be oh you know what if you've got to stay late you've got to stay late and you've got to stay all the way through the night and you're not going to have a night you're going to have one less reg cover you're going to be holding on to three bleeps <laughs> uh, and then that shows out it shows how your resilient is like, no that's not resilience that's other people we've got rotor gaps and people, other people are not doing that. You know, people are not doing their jobs. They should be filling these rotor gaps. There should be more doctors. There should be so many things that should be happening. But they're going to say, oh, well, if you complain about it, it means you're not very resilient. It's just a way to keep you quiet, isn't it? I mean, that's, yeah, uh, that's me, me being cynical, no, no, <laughs> I guess, okay. again. Um, but I mean, that kind of brings us on to the email that we had a deleted tweet, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, an email from, so someone is going to go and call. Do you, want, do you want to tell us about this one? Yeah, I'm pretty enough to yeah. remember what the tweet was. So like someone was, <laughs> <laughs> someone was due to, ha- to go on call. So they weren't actually on call. They were on their off days. This, in fact, this is a situation I'm in, but it's not actually me that's got it. Nobody would email me this because it doesn't make any sense really to email me with this. But they got an email from a manager to say, just to remind you, we are aware that you're due to go on call in a few days time. The hospital bed state situation is particularly bad, so please, can you just prioritise discharge or bear this in mind? Um, <laughs> I love those kind of things. Yeah, like yeah. So I think they kind of copied the email, or at least kind of mentioned this, and they said, "This is on one of my off days as well. I'm not even, I'm not actually on call at the moment, but this is what I've been sent." And I think the responses were there. There was kind of a whole spectrum of responses. I guess we can't see those now because they've been deleted. So mm. they varied from people being like, "Oh, that is really annoying." in your off days as well and also too isn't that kind of obvious like there's always like a problem with beds and things like mm. when you get told that are they basically telling you to take on more clinical risk is that what they're asking you to do like what exactly are they wanting for you to do differently that you weren't already doing mm. already and on the other mm. side there are people going oh you know i obviously very feel very much for the manager because they're obviously doing something that you know they need to be seen to be doing something and i'm like what need Mm. to be seen so that's an excuse for being a dick is it like you need to be seen to be doing something so oh yes look i was doing something i was a dick to that person there see i don't know no i think you know this is have you heard this concept i heard about on the i think it came up on on bbc or something called quiet quitting have you heard of that yeah 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 and so um it did make me wonder i mean i'm not saying that's what i've done right now um allegedly but um the thing is like how much do you really care? I mean, so if they email me about the backlog, say, oh, you know, Imran, there's a massive backlog, right? A massive backlog. Like, am I going to suddenly run into work and start reporting like a madman? Because, yeah, yeah. you know, there's a backlog. So, no, that's not my problem. That's yeah. your problem. And so, like, if, you know, the manager emails you and says, that's like, okay, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. water off the duck's back, it doesn't matter. And we've talked about this before. Like, when I used to, when we used to turn up to A&E, people used to be really stressed out if it was really busy mm. out there. But he's like, well... It's not my problem if it's busy out there. I, I can only see so many people at a time. So I just kept my normal rate. Like, that's what you do. You don't start, like, seeing more and more because no one's going to pat you in the back. Like, for you may get, like, oh, well done, mate. But if something goes that's wrong, yeah, they're yeah, on absolutely. you. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the point? I think, sub- it's no I point. think subconsciously, as a profession, a lot of junior doctors adopted it after the junior doctor's uh, contract. You know, with the exception. I hope they have. I hope yeah, they yeah, have. yeah, no, definitely. You do see it. Like, you see it with junior doctors now where, you know, they're much more comfortable completely rightly exception reporting i mean like no i finish at five i'm gonna hand it over like you know this they are much better 
standing up for themselves than I would have been when I was that sage. And I think there's an mm. element of that, of realizing that, well, you know what, if my, my, my pay hasn't changed in how many years? And, you know, inflation's gone up. So I'm not getting paid the same value as, you know, my colleagues were years ago. Why should, why should mm. I be going the extra mile? That social contract has been very broken. So I think, I think people have been quite quitting in a way for some time. It's just that this is kind of a nice word for it. But it's so funny, actually, because so we're seeing that as a concept and it's nice to kind of give a word to describe a behavior. Mm. Um, yeah. and I saw this video by this HR manager and mm. you could see and you could see it's like I, think, I feel like it's like the response of like the capitalist corporate world where the stuff's coming out there and I'm, but it's hard not to see it as like I see it cynically I saw it from like some HR consultant on TikTok and I'm like HR good one oh yeah and she's like mm. oh you know about quiet kitting there's you know things you should know because when I started I was hungry I was young and hungry and mm-hmm. I saw someone who basically had quiet quit, and I saw an opportunity there and they're basically just trying this kind of almost reverse psychology thing which is basically what people were doing beforehand which is going the extra mile save uh, staying late because they were thinking well that they get rewarded by their workplace but what they're seeing is is that their workplaces are looking to cut margins and if mm. people are willing to to do extra take take that for a ride and take you know take that mm. as far as it goes they're not gonna be like oh yeah let's let's give that person like a whole load of money like that's not how these places work and it's just really interesting to see money uh to see videos like that i saw another video which was like oh yeah you know people are doing that but then you know this these kind of behaviors they can reflect badly like say if you lose your job and then your credit score goes up and all these things that they use like <laughs> dangle over the top of you to make yeah. you fear like oh you know you'll get if you quiet quit you won't get promoted or if you quiet quit or you lose your job your credits you know all these things they use to just kind of keep people you know to get to squeeze everything out of them whilst meanwhile they cut caps for bankers and but this is the thing like um i think i was talking to someone else about this and they were said they were kind of jokingly saying that oh apparently like the newer generation people they don't get good at things they don't like they don't stick it out they quit too quickly they're not willing to put the extra work in so good for them and i, I was like yeah that surely that's good for them though yeah. and they're like yeah but you know they just don't really get good at anything. Like, yeah but that, and i said to them but so what like yeah. they get a job but they continue to get paid they go somewhere else. yeah but then you know like nothing progresses like what progresses yeah. so most <laughs> jobs business. Yeah, exactly. Most jobs are making someone else richer. Well, I, I know that because I run a business. So the people, that, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. if they do work, then they they get they, they make me richer. They don't. You know, I might give more, but like in in reality, they're making someone else richer. And then if you're talking about like you know um, making the new iPhone, like okay, yeah. fine, we don't get the new iPhone for a bit longer because people can be bothered. Like, so what? Like, yeah. it, it doesn't matter. Like this is. I'd rather people go home and watch Netflix and see see their family and you know spend genuine time with their family and friends and do things that they enjoy rather than give their life up to, to do this. It's just, there's more to life than this. So if it gets busy, yeah, you lot stop caring and just do your normal job. And yes. go, even if it's heaving out there, even if they're like, Oh, you got to see more, you got to see more take, pick up four cards, five cards. It's like, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. picking as many as I need to pick up yeah. and I'm going to keep moving on. You That's can't do anything for me. Yeah. Cause it, yeah. those managers, they're not going to be there for you when you have to go to like a serious incident meeting or if you have to go no, to the coroner's court, they're not, they're, exactly. they won't be anywhere to be seen. They'll be on their annual leave, mate. They'll be like, you know, I'll respond to your email, you know, when I get a chance. Well, can you imagine what it would be like in coroner's court if they said to you, um, why did you do that? You said, oh, cause I just picked up, it was really busy outside and, um, I had to pick, I picked up loads of cars cause they told me like, yeah. yeah, but it's still your decision to see that many people. You shouldn't be doing that. It's just not worth it. Absolutely not worth it. It's Absolutely. 100% tell everyone, do not, do not do that. I feel like um, since Bauer-Garber, yeah. since Dr. Bauer-Garber, like, I think people have like realised that side of things as well. I mean, I think that really brought that into kind of stark realisation 
the people. Whatever happened to the consultant that was involved in that? Do we know? Oh, do you know? When you read he, like, about that, no. Got, so uh, did you know that what the consultant did, right? So he was like her educational Yeah, yeah, he kind of, like, oh, I'll meet you up and then I'm going yeah, to yeah, write stuff down. Coffee. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what he hoteled it to time? Ireland. He went to Ireland. He's like a uh, consultant paediatric surgeon in... I know, uh, so consultant paediatric... Yeah, he just moved. Yeah. Cool, isn't it? Nice. Nice one, mate. Yeah, got away with it, isn't it? Because I remember reading it as, okay, so surely that sounds a bit dodged. Like, what would happen to that person? Uh, yeah. Anyway, there was um, there was another tweet that came in from Layla uh, Turkugu, who we've mentioned a few times on this podcast. I had a read introduce himself to me as uh, I am ST8, and I just thought it was the oddest thing. I replied, I'm Layla, 36 years old. He didn't find it that funny. It is it's strange, isn't it? What we, I mean, we have we spoken about this? Like, what is our identity? And so when someone comes in and asks you, what do you do? Like, how far up the list do you say, I'm a doctor? Or is it the first thing? And um, unfortunately, a lot of the time, it's actually the first thing that we say that we do, right? And I, I wish it wasn't. Um, but this person obviously values being the SD8, not just being a doctor, but they value the eight. Well, yeah, right? because that's what it is. That's because it's it's bigger than ST7, ST6. <laughs> and it's going to be way better than ST3, like, you know, five five more numbers. I like. I mean, look, ST7 sounds like a, a pop band. So maybe that's yeah. what they're so happy about. They moved on. It's funny, you know, like sequel. Rec <laughs> it's recent, uh, recently I had to do, I, well, I didn't have to do, but you know, I did a talk re that recently, it's like January now, you know, at mm. um, the cardiology conference. And um, when I met with, oh, check you out. I know, right? Big deal. Yeah, big deal. I am. Um, and then they were like, oh, so what level are you? And I was like, oh, like I'm still, because I, anyway, I'm still ST. I feel like awkward saying it, but I was like, at ST5 at that point. And I'm like, whoa, we thought okay. you were way senior. And then I felt like really like, oh, okay. Because I'm old, <laughs> I guess. Um, so I guess there is, obviously they put some, there's some weight on it. So now ST6, but in the notes, I'll write cardiology SBR. And I've written that for some time. And when I call people up, I say I'm one of the cardiology doctors. And I, mm. I, I think that's kind of funny because, and I feel like I'm reclaiming that for the F1s who call and say I'm the respiratory doctor because I am hopefully contributing to the ambiguousness of that. So that therefore, because people <laughs> otherwise assume when you say I'm, say if I'm a cardiology doctor, they're like, oh, it's going to be the cardiology F1 because the cardiology rich will say the cardiology rich. No, some of us will also say that. And so nice. I hope you guys appreciate that. I'm, I'm doing it Mate, are you doing this on some level to be a bit like, oh, I hope they try and call me out and I'll be like, no, 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 I think you misunderstood. I'm, I'm far more senior than that. Yeah. Is that what you're, is that what exactly you're doing, Trisha? That's exactly <laughs> <it>. <laughs> And then I could talk about it on the podcast. That's exactly what you've seen. Exactly. I think once or twice I had someone call through to me and they're trying to give me like some sort of grief. And, I'm, and then I've just not, you know, I've just been very bit like, no, nah, mate. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, sorry. And they're like, sorry, who am I speaking to? Yeah. And I was like, oh, you are speaking to Imran Lasker, the Two Minutes podcast. Do you know who I am? Yeah, no, yeah. I've, I've said like, no, I'm a, I'm a consultant. They're like, oh. <laughs> no. yeah, okay. Oh, okay. This scan's not happening. That no, no, it's not happening. I'm really sorry, mate, but this scan is definitely not happening. Not under my watch. Uh, maybe call up. Maybe call up teleradiology after eight o'clock, and then that scan will go flying through. No worries, but definitely yeah, yeah. not on my watch. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it's not oh, way these things. Well, I guess kind of moving on to like, um, there was a tweet from Rosie, which I thought was kind of interesting. Although, mm. I guess our perspectives on it. Aren't going to be that useful because she tweeted on the 11th of september so this is rosie brower who was a guest mm. on our podcast her handle is at rosie icm and she said mm -hmm. and she's basically referring to this um serialization of covid 
And there's a picture of, I think it's Kenneth Branagh or someone pretending to be Boris Johnson when he was in ITU. Oh, right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. She's talking about how, the, well, the image basically of him on CPAP. And then I think the interesting thing was the number of comments from people where they were kind of talking about how kind of accurate it was. Um, mm. So like, for example, the position of the pumps and stuff. Although one of the things that I think most notably people said was inaccurate was the fact that he actually was on CPAP, whereas I, from what I understand, well, it's complete hearsay, was that he, he mm. didn't actually require CPAP and that he was in that area for security purposes. But um, I guess I put it in because I kind of thought it was interesting because of the, the portrayal of um, the medical setting in serials and I was kind of wondering like how hard is it to get that right like do they need consultants as in I mean kind of consultants in as an expertise I don't mean actual consultants to kind of tell them about you know the minutiae of how you know the kind of accuracy of settings and if they do then I'd be very happy to do that for them uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, throw, just throwing out there I'm yeah, just throwing exactly. out there like yeah. if you need any help with any yeah, TV could, or anything yeah. like that if you want to, if you want to know how a pink cannula looks you know I'll help you I'm your man <laughs> but um, um, what do you think of this picture then yeah. do you think it sums up the hero he's got, he's got his two thumbs up which does seem very Boris yeah. Johnson right it uh, makes me yeah, angry yeah I mean look obviously uh, really okay I mean at first glance yeah well it's Boris Johnson who's clearly unwell um yeah, I mean, that's as far as my head really went. But I, I guess, I mean, it's always interesting to me when people comment on, like, the way things look, how accurate things are, because med- medics love this stuff. I don't yeah, know if you remember true. that time when, um, who's that tennis player? I'm going to, maybe I'm a bit tired. The Scottish tennis player, uh, Andrew Murray, had um, some surgery done and he had a photo of himself with his thumbs up, you know, um, saying like he's fine. And there were so many comments in the med- on Med Twitter about the placing of the cannula, placing of. Oh really? <laughs> like every yeah, it was just so many people like you know some people even like downloaded and annotated the places where they didn't agree with. I think <laughs> even we had oh, we had God. a mutual friend message uh, message both of us actually and say something like, "Oh, that surgery was a bit controversial." You know what they actually did, and it's like, oh, really? no one cares. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 and they're like, and you think no one cares, mate, and no yeah. one cares what you think, what I think. Yeah, it happened. They got the job done. He's happy. He's fine. Like, yeah, come on. Matter. There's so many ways to skin a cat. Clearly, and he's alive and well. So let's not faff around too much about the way things look. But you, anyway. can, you can tell I didn't care because I don't. I don't even remember that comment. <laughs> <laughs> I just found it really fat. Yeah, I just found and this kind of stuff when you know this, I saw that picture. I took it. Okay, fair enough. But then other people are like, oh, look at the way the place is. Look at the way the place that is. So I guess that. Oh yeah, there's that too. Yeah, all right, cool. I mean, yeah. I hope they. I hope to. I hope to see the day when they take a photo of a radiologist workspace, and I'll be able to say, "Oh, I don't know. You need to get a radiologist to come in and tell you how it really yeah, should be." I'll be happy to do it. You know. Yeah, I mean, I'd be happily. I'd happily do it. I'll tell you the flux capacitor should be sitting right behind the desk. Yeah. Like, go bad. Yes. You can go back in time. You need the coffee holder. You, you know. You need all these things to make it an accurate, accurate workspace for a uh, radiologist. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I do think there's one one show where I did kind of find myself feeling impressed at the kind of portrayal of a situation which was in the fall have you seen that mm. so jamie Dornan no. and gillian anderson it's okay. a really good show mate it's on, it's on netflix it was on bbc and it's basically a kind of crime you know like who not kind of who done it thing but it's basically about a kind mm. of serial killer and gillian anderson's like you know trying to find it. it's really good definitely recommend it okay um and there is a portrayal at some point of a kind of scene in A&E recess. Not that I'm like an expert at that at all, but it was quite cool to see, like there was a management of like a kind of acutely unwell patient and it was quite cool to watch. I was like, oh, yeah, that does have a kind of, you know, like the sensation of, you know, like when you're in the room and stuff's going on, 
it did have that kind of mm. sensation there. So I, and I remember thinking at the time, oh wow, this does kind of fit. But I don't, I don't, I can't say that I'm generally that fast. I used to love Scrubs, and that was mm. just, I mean, it just happened to be humour in the medical setting. But to be honest, it could have been really anywhere, couldn't it? I mean, I could, that's the only reason I could watch Scrubs because it was more humorous than it was medical mm. for me personally. Like it was, it was just funny. Uh, when it gets too real, I don't really like it personally. Just like, well, I might as well just go to work and watch it happen for real. Yeah, um, but I think sometimes I've noticed that I think it was a Black Mirror episode hmm. that had these little metal bees flying around into people's ears and or noses and stuff. And um, they did this. They did an MRI scan on the person. It's like, no, why would you do an MRI scan first? That's, <gasps> not, that's not a good idea. See, I think I feel like the thing is, is for you is that you're not so invested in it. But then you're like, but that was that, that's the radiology they've got wrong there. Yeah, yeah, why have they done that? Yeah, well, hang on, why would they... Uh, the magical yeah, magnet. You, get, yeah. you normally go for a CT first. And, uh, <laughs> like that. Why would you do Whoa, that? guys, I do not accept... Who accepted that request? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to write, write a strongly worded letter to Charlie Brooker. Excuse me, yeah, I know yeah, you yeah. don't give a crap, but I'm going to have to tell you something that you yeah. really need to know. I would not have vetted uh, yeah. that request. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, well, in, in very specific circumstances, maybe. <laughs> uh, working with Ted Radology. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, I got into a bit of trouble this week, didn't I, Drusha? You were, you were uh, talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it time to talk about me getting in trouble? It is. Was it trouble? Did I get in I trouble? Mean, you got yeah, quote tweeted. Yeah. Okay. Let me, I'll talk about my bit and then um, yeah. you, you can take over for what <laughs> 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 yeah. So um, I think I was, um, th- I was remembering something that happened to my wife the other day. I think she was driving and then I think she parked on the side and someone was driving past and they beeped like crazy. They said they were very, very rude. And I was thinking to myself, like, would that have happened if she uh, wasn't a visibly Asian lady with the hijab, with the hijab on? And imagine if there was like a really big butch guy, would that person have a go at them? Would they think twice? Or imagine if they're on a Bentley, like a really yeah. big Bentley, would they, would they, have, you know, shout to them? Or maybe if they had a, a police escort, would they shout mm. them? So I think, okay, so clearly there must be a, a reason why this person felt it was okay to have a go at my wife. But then, I, then obviously, like not obviously, but it suddenly crossed my mind that, but what if it was racist? Now, this is what the black, the, this is what the headscarf. I thought, you know what? I'm going to have a go at her because she's, or on some level, had a go because she's racist. But then I thought, imagine if there's someone out there that never has to think like this. There must be people out there who's never ever had to deal with that that inkling feeling that you've been hard done by, you've had something bad happen, or someone's been very very rude, and you never had to even consider the fact that, I mean, there's no racism because people can't be racist to you. That is that possible? So I did this tweet, and I said. Um, Oh, uh, I said, um, I wonder what it's like to have a negative interaction and know that there's absolutely no way that your ethnicity or background played any factor in it. And I made it one because obviously I understand it's not just about being brown. I'm talking about, you know, think about sex, I'm talking about sexual orientation, all these things. Like if you are any of those things, if you fall into any of those demographics, then surely every negative interaction is going to play on your mind, isn't it? Like, oh, I wonder if it's because, you know, I look like this or I come from this or uh, I live like this. And that's what I was tweeting about. And then uh, we had a person that, which I will not name, uh, quote tweet me. And so they said, I wonder what it's like having a negative interaction and always assuming it's got something to do with your ethnicity and background. And I thought, okay, I see what you've done there. I can't, it's predictable, isn't it? Mm. So you've seen someone who looks like me saying that it is possible. Is it possible for people to li- live a life where you don't think like this? And he's saying, no, your problem is that you always think like this which basically is gaslighting the situations where I may or may not have been. And it's basically making me feel like you're being unreasonable to think mm. about. Yeah. I'm being unreasonable. Oversensitive. But thankfully people seem to agree with me. Yeah. But anyway, so I liked yeah. your response, which is, I suspect it's something you've never had to go through, which is a nicer way of basically um, 
what I did. <laughs> <laughs> but you're basically calling out yeah. his white privilege there. Um, and then you said, I haven't seen you crop up in a while. And <laughs> might be an algorithm that has kept you away. So an anti-racism algorithm. But I hope you're well. <laughs> and then you end it with kind regards, which I know is British for basically expletives. <laughs> but he, d- he doesn't rise to But the thing, like... I think I, I found it really fun because someone else had a dig at him as well, which I was quite pleased that people saw that and didn't like it. And they were, someone said, Look, this is one I, so I cut it out. I print screened it and I cut it out. And I said, and someone said, dinosaurs will say anything these days. And he comes back, wisdom comes with age. <laughs> and then he goes, so does dementia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it was brilliant. So I cut, yeah. I cut it out, but because I know Thrusha quite well, I, I thought he might get triggered by the initial interaction. So I, I purposely cut that out so that it wouldn't be involved <laughs> and just put it so that he could see that there was an interaction where someone was called a dinosaur, someone came back with that, and someone came back with, yeah, so does it, so does Mencha. What happened it. to you, Thrush? Yeah. What did you do? I obviously saw that. I wanted to know what the hell was going on. So I looked it up, and then I saw it was this person, and I lost it. I lost it. <laughs> so obviously you could, you could see a whole little like, deleted tweets. But I think that in my defence... This is, and I've explained this, I mean, this is how, when I see people tweet, and I, maybe this is wrong, and this probably is my, this is a fault in my personality, but when people tweet stuff, I imagine um, it's like having a conversation, right? So I just, in my head, imagine it was like you telling your friends, I wonder what it's like to have a negative interaction and know that there's absolutely no way that your ethnicity or background played a factor in it. And you're just telling some people there. And then this person's quote tweeted you, so they can, so you can see what they've said. So it's almost like they're in the they're in the room with you, but they're not speaking at you. They're quote you're quoting you, but so you can see it, to, and they're saying it to their followers. So essentially, it's like they're having a separate conversation in a room where you can hear it. So they're saying it loud enough for you to hear, and he's basically just calling into question. And the the other thing that kind of gets me is the use of always, always assuming mm. it's got to be something, and that's not that's not actually what you said. So like, mm. so what is what is that? I mean. I, I, I found that really offensive um, because, and thus, this is um, part of the MO of this old fart, which is basically where <laughs> <laughs> they kind of, they, they get called out and stuff and they're like, oh no, I was just, you know, like conversation, but it's like you're quote tweeting this person. So the implication is there that you're saying it about this person that whenever ne- um, Imran has a negative interaction, it's, he's always assuming it's, that's not even what he said. And hmm. I, I don't know. Are you mutuals? Are you friends? I don't know. I don't think so. So no, we're not. I just yeah, exactly. we're not. So, I mean, first of all, you shouldn't apologise for you know trying to stand up for your mates and also standing up for things that you believe in and stuff. So I, I don't think that's, there's an issue there at all. But um, it was just yeah, I knew it was going to be triggering. Uh, oh, yeah, I was triggered. You were clearly triggered. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I went back to blocking. Yeah. I went back to. But then I saw I could see that there were obviously other people replying to like stuff that I'd said, yeah. and then he and then I could see he was replying to it. Because I could see, like, you know, this is from someone who blocked, and he'll be like, oh, I could see that he's blocked me, but I can't, you know, he's carrying a conversation in my mind. And it's like, mate, that's because you, you could, like, quote tweeted someone that I follow. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, but mm. he's kind of, I have this person, I mean, I should just assume, like, you shouldn't assume malice when you can just attribute it all to stupidity. So, and I think, <laughs> I, and so I'll just attribute That's a good line. Just, yeah, so I think I should just go back to the blissful ignorance that I'm in, whereby this person's blocked. I don't have to hear that bilge. I think you know, and I think what well, a few people liked his his quote, 
and um oh one person they were they were from one person oh it was one person okay so then uh, but, I mean, they <laughs> yeah, were from a similar they were from a similar demographic yeah similar yeah. similar demographic and uh, um the, the problem is like you know i was raising i think we we've all done this you know we've raised we raised a legitimate what i think was a legitimate question something to think about and um when you've never been in that situation and we've spoken about this before where you've never had a negative interaction having to do with where you're from unless you you've lived life and you've never had anyone call you out for being brown the muslim you know all those things um you'd have no reason to think that anything any interaction got anything to do with those things because you've never been called out for any of those things it's never yeah. happened but you know i've said this before in the podcast like i remember being called being the color of poo from when i was in reception hmm. it happened like and the kids were saying that so i knew from that age onwards that i i was not the same as everyone else and i've got a, a bit of an odd color to everyone else to the point that i used to actually close my eyes and imagine what i would look like if i was white i used to look in the mirror and close my eyes and imagine what i would look like if i was white these are the things that you know other people don't have to go through they never have to even question that never came up so that they're not they'll never understand that but yeah. the sad thing is that they don't even want to understand that they're not they don't yeah. want to understand that they're not even trying uh, and that's the issue when someone says oh but how can i be an ally how can i help as i the way you can help is by listening and not trying to argue it away not trying to say that you know trying to explain away something else and you know listen to someone's experience for what it is and that's it that's what you do yeah that's it just be aware so like there was a nice re- response. There was a nice response to it, which said, "Unconscious bias should more um, accurately be described as entrenched assumption," and that was a, mm, a kind of a quote point. from John Amici, OBE. But um, mm. it's just really interesting because these kind of traits kind of fit. You know, when people don't get it, I mean, I have to. The thing is, is that there's this really nice TikTok account that I started to follow, and it talks about dealing with narcissists. And the reason why I mention it is mm. because. Often when you come across, you come across people like this on, on Twitter and on the internet, and I have to really fight the urge to argue with them. And I, I don't know mm. why, like, sometimes that it kind of comes into it, because I know full well that, one, either they don't have the kind of capability um, that, you know, the tools to really understand your point of view, or two, they just don't want to, and they're just malicious, horrible people, and they want to goad you. And either way, engaging with them doesn't bring about any happiness. And there's a really good account. Oh, gosh. Um, can we like post it afterwards? The name of the account. Yeah, but, like, um, post it. Yeah. But interestingly, I think for me, I did get some comfort seeing one of their videos where they talked about the different traits of narcissism, and when they kind of like mentioned some of them, I was like, it made me think. Like, oh, it reminds me of that person where it's kind of it talks about how they're often described as quite kind of self-centered and manipulative in the way that they kind of this person went on to say, oh, this per like you know saying of me, I've joined their conversation, when what they've done mm. is joined your conversation which really was about something that should have really um generated sympathy and empathy but instead Mm. they kind of decided to kind of flip it another way and make it seem like you were being insensitive and call into question your feelings which is the opposite of empathy and then when they're called Mm. out on that behavior claim victimhood which is making them centering themselves as, and I think kind of understanding that narcissistic personality trait, those traits mm. really helped me actually, because in some ways I'm like, ah, oh, this person is, I mean, <laughs> I blocked them and then unblocked them and then blocked them again. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I messaged you after, I was like, did you just unblock them yeah. so that you could um, interact with them and then block them again? You're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's silly, Oops. I don't know, a moment of weakness. Sorry, mate. No, no. No, no, it's all good. Yeah. But yeah. like, um, it, that's what makes it fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's just funny, isn't it? And I think if it can offer any peace to anyone out there that 
Um, it's difficult, isn't it? It's a battle sometimes. You want to change the world for, to make it better. But then sometimes I tell myself, well, sometimes you're replying not for that person. You're replying for other people who might read it because, you know, it's good to see people being called out, especially if it's in a funny mm. kind of humorous way because essentially ridicule can make you feel at least like the world is kind of just because there's someone who kind of, like a cunning fox is kind of, you know, um, got mm. the upper hand or whatever. So I guess there's that. I don't know. I don't know what the right way is. I guess uh, in terms of kind of un unkind of mitigated narcissism there has been a lot of kind of responses to ariel the little mermaid the trailer mm, because yeah. um, obviously ariel is being played by a black girl um mm. and we spoke about this last week didn't we yeah, yeah but i just wanted to kind of like draw attention to a, a really nice thread where they've put together a series of reaction videos um on mm. tiktok where um, just little black girls are watching the Little Mermaid trailer and it's just delightful just seeing them kind of mm, um, being yeah. represented and so happy they are. So um, it was a tweet from um, at Norman Innation, so N-O-R-M-A-N-I-N-A-T-I-O-N and the number four. And the tweet was on the September the 11th, at 11.31 p.m. And there's basically a thread where they've just kind of put in a whole load of links to the different kind of um, TikTok videos. And some of them are so cute. Um, yeah, their kids are absolutely gorgeous, aren't they? They really are. Yeah. Um, and at this point, we were saying to each other earlier, like part of what's so wonderful to watch is like, you know, when you take your kid out somewhere nice and you, you want to have that. I mean, part of the reason you take them somewhere nice is to get that reaction. Of yeah, that, oh, yeah. that wonderment. And you, yeah. you're watching them instead of watching the big show, whatever it is. So you get to watch that, plus yeah. the fact that they are finally kind of relating to what's on the screen. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's, cool. it's wonderful. I'm probably going to end up watching that again and again. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's so super cute. Yeah. So and super cute. So like, I think because yeah. I've been watching them today, I was kind of humming the the Little Mermaid song, like whilst I was uh, doing mm. Lily's bath, and Lily was like, "Are you, are you humming the Little Mermaid?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Why?" And I was like, "Oh, she she loves Little Mermaid. She's got the kind of little um Tony Box thing, which kind of like reads of the story mm. and plays with some of the songs at night." And I was like, "Oh, because there's going to be a new Little Mermaid movie." And she's like, "Oh, really? What? Like another one?" And I said, "Yeah. Well, they're kind of remaking it." And I said, "Do you want to watch the trailer?" And I just thought, "Oh, it'd be interesting to see what her reaction is." And of course, like to her. This complete, this complete, like, what is there to react to other than the fact that there's mm. going to be a Little Mermaid movie? She's very excited. And so at the end of the trailer, she was like, can we see it tomorrow? And I was like, uh, uh, it says it's actually out in May 2023, which is next year. And she's like, so can we go next week? And I'm like, oh, she hasn't every real concept of time. <laughs> like, she doesn't understand that it's like a year down the line. And now it's really complicated. And then when at bedtime, she was singing some mermaid song. And then I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> She's going to just ask about that now every week it's... until May 2023, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, so true. I and mean, the concept of time is so like, I told you, isn't it? Like my son, if you say yesterday, that could mean anything yeah. five minutes ago. And last year, like he doesn't have a clue. Yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, yesterday we did this. Like, oh, which yesterday is he talking about? Yeah, it could be anywhere between, yes, a couple of seconds ago. Maybe. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah, he's a bit like that. But um, it's surprising that people get triggered. Like I saw loads of TikToks and tweets about the fact that they're using a black girl to be a mermaid it's like when would you get over the fact that we're talking about a mermaid, mermaid. and then you know he's got a, was it a crab that had a jamaican accent wasn't it oh yeah what's his name the sebastian thing sebastian and then you got the, and you got flat i mean look, there, there's so many things that are just not real 
like n- none of it none of it like yeah. where, where do you want to stop but it's the color of the skin that's making you feel good. it's amazing isn't it it's funny though that it like ruins that that's enough to like shatter their illusion and like how it has got it's okay for them that it's normal for us that the kind of default is a white person all the time mm. and then it's also like they're outraged at that but then if you see like, oh, do you remember ghost in the shell where they got scarlett johansson to play like <laughs> to play like an, uh, um, an East Asian character. I mean, that's ridiculous. Or like, oh, dude, that that's gone on forever. Like, what well, Ben Kingsley being Gandhi? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, oh. You know, it really broke my heart. Short circuit. Short oh, circuit. yeah, the that was a white guy. Circuit. Yeah, black top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, I, I only found out recently. I, think, I, I told you recently. Yeah, yeah, I told you. That. Did you tell me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I think you may have told me, and I was like, no, you're joking. Yeah, they can't have done that. Because when I was younger, there was there was literally no brown people. Yeah, exactly. He was like, so when he came up, I was like, oh yes, we've got a brown guy on TV. I used to love it. And then you're telling me that he was just. He's just putting on a terrible Indian accent. Yeah. Doing it. Like, wow, so, man. so like, but you know, that's okay. Or oh, yeah, you know, it's like in history. It's like, mate, some of the ghosts in the shells like a few years ago. Johnny Depp played a na- Native mm. American. Um, I mean, there are quite a few like different examples. There's loads of stuff, loads of examples. I love that kind of stuff. One of the kind of most prominent examples, which I guess kind of fits quite well, is Jesus. The portrayal of Jesus as a white person. Mm. Right. There's there's subtle reasons for that. I think we've spoken about before. Like, uh, you know. Oh my God. No, but I saw this kind of like video of, um, and they were talking about, so, uh, because he, I think in one of his movies, he gets Christian Bale to play Moses, who would have Hmm. been kind of like of African origin. And when they are, and he was like, yeah, I accept that um, that's kind of culturally inaccurate. But if I'd have got someone with Mohammed Watts, I couldn't, I couldn't have, uh, I couldn't release a major blockbuster feature with the lead star being Mohammed, what's his name? That's what Ridley Scott said. That when wow. I saw that, I was like, it was he directed Aliens Gladiator. and Gladiator. And I was like, mm. but I'm not going to lie, that left a real taste in my mouth. Like, what a thing to say. Mm. Like, imagine having those words just come out of your mouth and think, feeling like that's like an acceptable thing to say. Like that, you know, we know mm. loads of these people will have that thought in their head, but that, I said that in an interview, like, wow, mm. amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that is sad. I mean, it just must depend on the kind of environment they're in and the people they hang out with. I mean, clearly, it's not just one person who feels like that. Otherwise, yeah. it wouldn't have gone all the way. Like, there'll be like there'll be a whole lot of people in the room that, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, this is what we've got to do. I mean, these aren't um, these aren't small gigs. You know, right. this is not the NHS putting a movie together. This is a um, multi-million pound industry who've all felt the same thing. So, yeah. uh, clearly, there's an agenda behind all of this stuff. Um, God, we need to end up yeah. some positivity, don't we? Yeah, should we, should we do the quick festival. I do realise that we do end up speaking about racism, and I was actually joking the other day that maybe we should just make a call that we rebrand the podcast uh, this week on racism. I know. Um, yeah, but it keeps coming up. I mean, it's not something I particularly want to keep bringing up, but it keeps coming up. Um, sorry, uh, yeah, and I, I guess yeah. It's, I mean, how else, when these things happen, you can't not just you can't ignore it. If we've got a platform, we might as well use it to try and talk about some things that maybe some of you guys wouldn't have thought about. Yeah. Um, so should we go into something a bit more fun and then, um, yeah, call it call yeah. an evening? Well, there, yeah, we should do the festival things, but there is also a drop mic thing from Aphrodite. Oh, God. Um, Yakovidu. Um, I hope I spelled mm-hmm. your name okay. So her handle is at Dr. Aphrodite ENT. So it says, to the mm-hmm. male surgeon who I asked a letter of recommendation for my MSE, you called me at times overconfident and you thought someone should have a frank conversation about how difficult it is to get into higher surgical training in ENT. Today, I CCT as an um, otolaryngology surgeon. Wow, that's a mouthful. Um, so, Bosh, well done. No pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that is cool, isn't it? I mean, 
it, I think I was talking to my wife about this, like when someone is female and they're very sort of forceful to get things done, they're seen as a bad thing. But if a, ma- a male is like that, then they're seen like a good thing. Yeah, like a go-getter. And then, yeah, like a real go-getter. Like, oh, they're tough, but, you know, they go get the job done. Mm. It's a shame the perceptions are like that, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, should we finish on a quick festival then? Yeah. yeah. Uh, which one? Which one? There was two, wasn't there? Yeah. So there was two. Should we do one each, I guess? Do the top uh, one? Yeah, go on then. Uh, I'll do the top one then. Yeah. So top one was um, festival this week um, said... Uh, we recently purchased a £1,700 sofa from John Lewis. We complained about the sofa cushions being too big for the covers. They sent a new sofa, but we got the cushions to fit. We called and cancelled the replacement sofa, and it triggered two refunds. Thanks for the free sofa. Nice work, isn't mm. it? That's nice. But you know what? I have to say, John Lewis, like customer service, is unbelievable. Exactly. I actually yeah. purposely go there. I know it costs more, but it's worth it. Yeah, that's time. And um, I think my sister-in-law bought some sort of TV cabinet, Um yeah, this this weird situation happened where they replaced it, but they wouldn't take the other one back. So you end up with like two cabinets. And right. they even told them, oh, it was my sister or someone else, but they ended up with a dressing cabinet thing. And then they sent another one and they ended up with two. And even when they told them, look, do you want to take the other one back? They're like, no. Nah. <laughs> but now I've got two. And then and they had to just sell it. They had to sell oh, it. Really? There was nothing oh. else they could do. Right. I, I don't know whether it just cost too much to like transport it because it was big. And they're like, no, we just cut our losses here. Yeah, but that's, uh, I that's feel like that's a business model of John Lewis. Yeah. Is that they just cut the losses, like, fine, whatever. Yeah, it works like that, doesn't it? I used to think that way about Amazon Prime. I'm not sure if it's still, like, that way. but um... Oh, no, they're phenomenal. I mean, it's all about, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like if... I think my Kindle broke, and it was out of warranty, and they gave me a new one, so don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, do, I definitely, yeah. like, I haven't had to complain about anything in a while, but it's literally that stuff just comes, like, so quickly, doesn't it? I remember being really mm. impressed by how quickly they resolved stuff, or the refunds, and that kind of thing, like... No, I mean, speaking from a business perspective, like, um, I've recently realised that, Whenever I do, I think I mentioned this the other day, like whenever you do courses and stuff, it's better just to like offer refunds. And if anyone kicks up, just give the refund yeah. because what you're essentially fighting for is very small, like peanuts, really. Yeah. And, you, and and the more you and someone who's going to be difficult about refunding a product you really believe in, they're, they're always going to ask for a refund mm. and they're never going to be happy. So they're always going to quit. They're always going to kind of this email trail keep going. You can make them fill out all sorts of forms and explain. No point. As soon as there's like a slight hint of a re- question of refund, just give it and move on with your life. Mm. And actually overall, even though that you do full refund stuff, the general people, if you do offer a good product, don't ask for refunds because yeah. you're happy and you're overall quid in. So uh, from yeah, a business perspective, it does make sense. Sorry. No, that's um, okay. I mean, the other one is a bit boring. So it's having tried all brands of Weetabix, little is my fave as it soaks up, uh, soaks the milk up quickly. I think I really like this because I liked the idea that this person's like uh, going through the different brands and just trying to find which one's the best one so this however annoys mm. my brand snob wife and will be my opening gambit come our inevitable divorce <laughs> <laughs> um are you a brand oh, snob or you uh, no i don't think i am i normally try and go for you know the own brands i always go for the cheaper one but i know rabia tends to like brands hmm. but i've got a friend who um surprisingly has done exactly this they've gone through every single little whatever aldi mm. every single brand and knows which ones are exactly the same if not better so yeah. if i do need to know i ask him and he tells me all right cool at least i know now but um he's done all the hard work little little aldi baked beans they're the best i think they're kind of a bit more sugary they taste nicer oh really yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love I, I quite like baked beans um you like baked beans you might like the ice cream i've got baked beans oh my god i'm still gonna get that off you the custard one oh, okay <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Cool. That's it. Yeah, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, uh, everyone. Again. Um, yeah, I always appreciate everyone that listens. Um, everyone have a great week. Uh, don't get cancelled. Yeah, it's And um, be nice to each other. Yeah. yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.